Welcome to Brave Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We're in a series on Sundays going through the Gospel of Mark, but we also want to encourage you, if you live in the area, go to brave.church slash homechurch and check out our home churches that are gathering together around these teachings throughout the week. We believe the kind of church Jesus came to start is more than a crowd. It's friends on a mission living life together. Another great way to connect further is through social media, where there is content designed to inspire and inform you. Here's this week's talk. Man, I am feeling this 1130. Like, this is the newest gathering time, but if I didn't have to be at all of them, this is the one I'd be at. So it's good to see it full. Yeah. Uh, Well, my name's Samuel. I'm one of the pastors here. I was actually not scheduled to speak today. I was scheduled to speak next Sunday. But my dad, Pastor Darren, he came down with the flu. Who's been hit by that flu going around? Anybody? Oh, my gosh, it's been terrible. So he's been telling everybody how he threw up 20 times. I've been telling people he threw up 10 times because that's bad enough, right? So, but he, he, he went down pretty hard. But it kind of worked out because I feel like God's given me a word that's for our church in this season. So there's so much going on right now. There's a lot happening. So I'm really excited. But before we jump into it, let's pray. God, I pray for everyone here today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would speak to us, that we'd see what you're doing Those of us who are willing and ready and and called, God, I pray that we jump in and we'd be inspired, that we'd be filled with that passion and that fire, uh, that our heart, as it breaks for the things that break yours, that we'd make commitments, that we'd jump in, that we'd be filled with faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, there's a lot of work that goes into a Sunday service, these these large gatherings. We meet in homes throughout the week in small gatherings, but this is our large gathering here at Brave. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. If you're on Team Brave, you know, right? If you're on one of our serving teams, and it's kind of like a wedding. How many of you have ever helped pull off a wedding? Okay, You're like, I did mine, and that was enough. Okay, well, it's kind of like that, except we do it again the next week and the week after that and the week after that. And so there's a lot of prep and planning. And then with all of our Hope for Humanity initiatives, you know, the thing, the vision that many of you gave to, we've been uh, ripping things off the walls, demoing, painting, doing all kinds of exciting stuff. And we're actually going to be giving an update on that next Sunday. But there's a lot going on. In fact, more going on right now than ever in the life of our church. And how many of you know what's happening on March 11th? So March 11th, Derek Carr, quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, is going to be speaking. And he's a part of this community. Him and his family attend here. Uh, And it's not going to be what it was last year. Last year, it was a huge outreach event. Uh, We went crazy on social media. Derek posted and shared about it. This year, we're using this as an opportunity to reach your friends, an opportunity for you to invite your coworkers, people that you care about that otherwise maybe would never come into a church building. Isn't that amazing to think that people are going to be here that would never otherwise walk through those doors because they like football? Yeah, so we just feel super blessed to have this opportunity. And so we've been planning and preparing for it. And in our meeting on Tuesday, God spoke to me two words, and they were get ready. Get ready. We're in a season where we've got to get ready because God's on the move. This church exists to help people find and follow Jesus. This is what we sacrifice for. This is what so many of us are are, are serving and contributing and volunteering and giving to on top of you you work all week long and then you come serve. And then you can volunteer of your time. This is why we give up our comfort. 
This is why we give up some of our preferences, because we're not just all about us. We're living for something more. There's, there's nothing more miraculous than people coming to know their creator, being saved for eternity, and finding a purpose for living. So on March 11th, this is your opportunity to extend an invitation to someone far from God who would otherwise never be here. Give people you love a chance to encounter the love of God. There's nothing better, there's no better cause to be a part of than helping people find Jesus. So I believe this, I say this with conviction, I'm part of the greatest cause on earth. Many of you are part of the greatest cause on earth, and we're giving our lives to this thing. Today's talk is titled, Get Ready. Turn to the person next to you and say, get ready. Get ready. Say it louder. Get ready. Not all seasons of life are the same. They're not all created equal. They all matter, but they don't hold the same value. There are moments that stand out amongst the rest. Maybe it's your wedding day. Maybe it's the day of your your first child being born or their first day of school. But the most significant day is the day that a person is reborn, the day a human being begins a relationship with its creator, is saved for eternity, finds purpose for their life. We have some big moments coming up for a lot of people. For some of you here today, maybe this could be one of those moments. And the thing about big moments is if you're not ready for them, you can miss their potential. People who are wise know what it's like to have finances and things saved up for an opportunity. And then when that opportunity comes, they can seize it, right? Or if you're an athlete and you've put all the preparation and hard work in so that when the moment comes, you know you've given it everything you can to be your best in that moment, to have your best chance of winning. Or maybe at work, you've been working so hard, putting in the time, putting in the effort, because when that opening comes for that promotion that you're going to be considered because of what you've done for that opportunity. There's an awesome book I read a few years back called The The Power of Habit. And it's an incredible book. And it talks about Michael Phelps, you know, the most famed Olympian of all time. How many of you are watching the Winter Olympics? Okay, me either. Um, (laughs) I was just kidding. (laughs) But I wish there was like some kind of sport Michael Phelps could be a part of, right? Like, why couldn't they just make some room for the guy? Um, It's it's just an incredible uh, story, though, in this book where they're talking about his routine and how he has all of these small victories, things he does, so that by the time he hits the water, he's already feeling like a winner. He's already ready for the big moment. And some of them are things like the meals that he eats before or the stretching routine. The one I like the best is he plays, they call it playing the tape. And what he does is before bed, he mentally visualizes himself swimming the race and winning. And then when he wakes up the next morning, he does it again. And then right before the race, his coach says, play the tape. These are all strategic moments, things he does to prepare so that he can have the best chance of achieving his victory. Here's the thing. You're called, uh, you're saved by grace. But your calling is something that you lean into. It's something that requires work, that requires effort. There's a part that we have to play. There's the part that God does for us. And there's the times that he does only what he can do. But then there's our part. Then there's our effort. And so preparation is a huge aspect of that. So we're going to get ready to do our part. You guys ready? Okay. So here we go. That did not convince me. Are you guys ready? Okay. We're going to leave nothing undone around here. We want it to be said about us like it was said about King David, that we served the purposes of God in our generation. 
So that's what we're preparing for today. We're going to look at three steps to help us fully engage with what God's doing. Number one, this is in your notes. And if you didn't get notes, raise your hand. Our ushers will get those to you. But number one is remember why you're here. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, everything that we do flows out of who we believe ourselves to be. Another way that this word handiwork could be translated is masterpiece. God sees us as his greatest work of art. And we're a masterpiece that was created with a purpose, with intention, with things to do. Marcy and I have been writing writing, watching this show called Comedians in Cars. How do you say it, Joe? I say it wrong every time and he corrects me. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Who's been watching this? Anyway, it's, it's so funny. It's on Netflix. It's Jerry Seinfeld's new show. And he's going and picking up these famous comedians and they go get coffee. But he picks out a car that is like matching their personality and what he thinks kind of fits who they are. And so it's always a really cool, super rare, invaluable car that he's picking them up in. And some of these cars can do different things. Some of them can pull a boat. Some of them can, you know, semi-trucks with loads of cargo. They all have a different purpose. We're a lot like cars. We're invaluable. We're priceless. And we've got places to go. We've got a purpose to fulfill. You were created to drive some places. You were created to carry some people. So do you know why you're here? Or maybe this morning you need to remember why you're here. Maybe you knew once before, but you've kind of lost sight. When you live your purpose, when you live the life that you were created by God to live, there is a sense of fulfillment that you can get no other way. See, a lot of us can find happiness. I like to be happy. There's things that make me happy, but there are very few things that make me feel fulfilled, that I go, man, this is significant. This is why I'm here. I'm coming alive in a different way. So this is what God wants for each and every one of us. Think about it. What's the purpose of a car? Uh, Cars were created to be driven. They're created to drive places. Some of us get this confused. I have a friend who lives in San Francisco, and he works for SpaceX, and he got this big paycheck, and he went and bought a Tesla, like a really nice Tesla. But he was in transition, and he didn't have a place to live, so he's sleeping in his Tesla, like Teslas were not created to be homes, right? I think sometimes God looks at us this way and he goes, man, uh, it's kind of like you forgot who you are. It's kind of like you forgot what I created you for. So we forget why we're here. And he says, this isn't what I designed you for. So you're a race car maybe and you're trying to go off road, right? Or maybe you're an SUV and God's like, hey, why aren't you taking some people with you? Or you're a smart car and he's like, get out of the fast lane, right? Move over. One of the main reasons or differences between me and Jesus is that he never lost sight of his mission. He never forgot why he was here. He knew his make. He knew his model. He knew exactly where he was headed. Uh, One day, Jesus asked his disciples a question. This is really interesting. He asked them, he says, who do you say that I am? He wanted to know if they got it. He wanted to know if they really knew who he was. He didn't ask him this question to find out who he was. He wasn't looking for validation. He wasn't like, hey, guys, you know, I've been walking on water. What are people saying about that? Right? I turned water to wine. Have we gone viral yet? Like, this is pretty crazy. No, he's like, who do you say that I am? The world tells us to discover who we are and then make sense of life. But the Bible tells us to get to know Jesus and life will make sense. 
Do you know why you're here? Or do you need to remember why you're here? God tells us exactly who we are. We're his masterpiece. We're valuable. And we've been created with some things to do. So there's a reason we're here, and we need to remember it. And you know, one of the cool things that happens when you know why you're here and when you find your purpose is you get a lot more comfortable with yourself. You get a lot more comfortable with who you are. And when you decide, who, or when you know who you are, you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. When you know your value, you're not as, as swayed by the things that people say about you. See, God gave you a personality. God gave you strengths. But you also have weaknesses. And you have weirdness, some more than others, right? Like, we're all a little weird, OK? But God uses all of that. Nothing is wasted. He uses all of that in incredible ways beyond what we could ever expect or what we could ever imagine. And so it's beautiful, it's priceless that we have been created as masterpieces and that we actually have nothing to feel insecure about. So number one, remember why you're here. And number two, love your neighbor. In Mark 12, 30 through 31, we see the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us. And we're going to focus on the second one, but let me read this to you. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Who is your neighbor? Who's Jesus talking about? Did you know the Bay Area is one of the most diverse populations in the world? According to Oakland census data, it's 25% Hispanic. We got any Latinos in the house? My family right here. There we go. 25% white, 27% black, 16% Asian, and the rest other. So I'm going to say the other is Wakandans. And if you didn't see the Black Panther, then go see it, and you'll know what I'm talking about, OK? Are they your neighbor? According to World Hunger, 795 million people of the 7.3 billion on the planet, that's one in nine people, suffer from chronic undernourishment. Are they your neighbor? When was the last time you shared your social life with someone of a different color or background? Your knowledge with someone who's uneducated? Have you cared for the aging, the crippled, the disabled, the alcoholic, the drug addict, the morally fallen with love and concern? Who is your neighbor? Who do you take responsibility for? In the modern age with technology and the internet, the whole world has become a neighborhood without becoming brothers and sisters. Last year, my wife, who's in school for uh, psychology and counseling, she's doing an addiction studies program. And so she had an internship at two rehab centers, one in Santa Cruz and then one in Oakland. And sometimes she'd go on her break and she'd be so overwhelmed by the pain that they're experiencing that she'd just sit in her car and cry. But she didn't quit. She went back in because they're her neighbor. This last December, our middle schoolers they actually baked cookies together and then wrote cards, Christmas cards, for some of the men in the rehab center at City Team in Oakland. They, and they wrote them, and they, they baked these cookies, and then we went and delivered them because they're our neighbors. And they need to be reminded of how loved they are, that someone cares. How many of you have been exposed to something that weighs heavy on your heart? People who are discouraged, depressed, or filled with anxiety, People who are so unhappy, nothing in life has meaning because greed is robbing them of being grateful for what they have. Who is your neighbor? 
Nothing changes until we take responsibility. And the influence in this room is staggering. The resource, the connections, what you have to offer. But will you take it a step further and will you do something? Will you invite someone to a Sunday gathering? This last week, I went to a barber shop in San Leandro to get my hair cut. It's, let me tell you guys, it's hard to find a good barber around here. Okay, so I found one in San Leandro, and I've been going there, and I'm sitting there getting my hair cut, and I look up on the wall, and there's this huge Raiders plaque. And I'm just having this inner dialogue, like, man, am I going to invite them? Like, I'm having a me day. I kind of want to keep to myself. I really wasn't in the mood to chat it up. But I'm looking at that, and it's taunting me. And it's like, are you going to invite them on March 11th? Are you going to invite them to come hear Derek speak? And sure enough, like, I'm, I'm leaving, and I'm walking out. And as I'm holding the handle of the door, like, I'm about to go outside, this voice just says to me, and it's God. He says, do you love them? Do you love your neighbor? So I, like, turn around, and I'm just kind of like, kind of awkwardly, like, uh, hey, guys, um, forgot to tell you something. And everybody getting their hair cut, like, is looking up, too. And I'm like, so, so Derek Carr's speaking at my church in a few weeks. I, uh, you guys are invited. They're like, what? Like, when is it? They're writing it in their notes. Like, they're, they're like, what's the address? What's, what's the name of the church? We're coming. They're so pumped. But I didn't even want to have that conversation. Like, I wasn't even in the mood. Here's the thing. Loving your neighbor isn't this lofty idea. It's not a good idea. It's a command. God tells us that it's an act of obedience to love our neighbor. And so when you've got that voice and when you see that opportunity or you have that thought that's nicer than you are, that's more selfless than you are, you got you to gotta follow that. That's obedience to God. And the better we get at loving people and saying yes to those, those thoughts that take us beyond our comfort zone, the more we're going to see this world impacted. Last point, number three, leave the 99. Matthew 18, 12 through 14 says this, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he then not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. There's a story written by William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, and it's called A Vision of the Lost. And I want to share this with you. I'm going to paraphrase it because it's quite long, but it's really powerful. It goes like this. There was a dark and stormy ocean with black clouds hanging over it. And in this ocean were thousands upon thousands of poor human beings being thrown about, shouting and shrieking as they struggled to stay afloat. Then out of the ocean rose up a mighty rock with a summit towering high above it all, and around its base was a vast platform. And on the platform, he was happy to see that some of those struggling in the water were able to climb up on the platform to safety. A few of those who made it were able to help pull up others. And looking more closely, he saw that some who were rescued were scheming of ways to help more people with ladders and ropes and building boats and other ways to deliver the strugglers at sea to the platform. Some were so passionate to save others that they jumped back into the water without consideration for if they could make it back themselves. It was hard to decide which was a more beautiful sight. The drowning, climbing up onto the rocks and finding safety, or the devotion and self-sacrifice of those whose whole being was wrapped up in the effort to save others. 
As he looked on, he saw that those safely on the platform seemed to be divided into various groups, and they occupied themselves with different pleasures and employments. But only a very few seemed to make it their business to get others out of the sea. What puzzled him most was the fact that though all of them had been rescued at one time or another, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. It seemed the memory of its darkness and danger no longer troubled them at all. And what seemed equally strange was that these people didn't seem to care about everybody else who was lost at sea. They seemed to have completely forgotten about the perishing ones who were struggling and drowning right before their eyes, many of who were their own husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, even their own children. It wasn't that they didn't know or see it. In fact, they talked about it often. Many even went regularly to hear lectures and teachings in which the awful state of these poor, drowning people was described. But the thing to me that seemed the most amazing was that those on the platform to whom Jesus called, who heard his voice and felt that they ought to obey it, those who confessed to love him and knew his mission, those who worshiped him, they were so taken up with their trades and professions, their money and pleasures, their families and friends, their religions and arguments about it, that they did not listen to the cry that came to them from this wonderful being who had himself gone down into the sea. The multitude went right on living their life with their personal pursuits and preoccupations. All the while, Jesus was down among the poor, struggling in the angry deep with his arms around them, trying to drag them out, looking up to those on the rock, crying to them with a voice hoarse from yelling, come to me, come help me save them. It's time to get ready, to remember why you're here, to love your neighbor, and to leave the 99. Jesus is calling us to leave comfortable Christianity, living safely around the 91 to go after the one to be brave enough to do things that others are afraid to do. This week, one of the greatest evangelists in history passed away, Billy Graham. He died at the age of 99. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, that a man who spent his entire life leaving the 99 to go after the one died at age 99. Graham has been listed by Gallup as one of the 10 most admired men in the world 50 times more than 50 times. He's met with every U.S. president from Harry Truman to Barack Obama, and he's preached to a staggering 215 million people in more than 185 countries. No price was too high, no sacrifice too great. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was one of the greatest examples of obedience to the call that this world has ever seen. There have been news stories running all week about his life and about his family. And one of the things that's inspiring but also tragic is the level of sacrifice this calling required of his family. I mean, he even missed the birth of one of his children. Never again should this much weight be placed on one man. Should one individual's family have to sacrifice this much? I think the most honoring thing that we can do in his passing is follow his example and leave the 99. This week, when you're at a coffee shop, when you're chatting with your, your barista or you're at the gym and you're working out and you notice someone wearing a Raiders hat or wearing a Raiders shirt, this is your moment. This is your opportunity to step up, to leave the 99. 
Are they your neighbor? Do you love that person? Billy Graham said, my purpose in life is to help people find a personal relationship with God, which I believe comes through knowing Jesus Christ. The mission of Brave Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. So what are you willing to do to help someone find Jesus? God's already awakening people. His spirit is, is giving people faith. He's filling them with faith, people who have been far from God. A friend of mine, his name is Dustin. He's here today. And he, he told me this incredible story about how, how he was an atheist. He was making fun of Christians. He was so anti-Christian. And then God came to him in a dream. He sent an angel to tell him about Jesus. And then he's on this trip to Europe. And all throughout this trip, he's seeing all of these undeniable coincidences and signs where God is revealing himself to him. And so then he gets back from this trip, and he Googles Christian church. And that's how he finds Brave. And he comes through those doors. And a week later, we get to baptize him. And then we're in my office. And he's telling me his whole testimony, his whole story. And it's so incredible. He's getting pumped. And he doesn't know any better. And he's yelling the F word. This is raw. This is real. Then I slapped him. <laughs> no, I didn't. But how amazing, right? Or my, my friend Matt and I, our kids director, who's crushing it, by the way. Let's give Matt a hand. There's a guy that he invited to come here from the Apple store. And then we went back, and we were doing some other stuff. And we invited him again. And come to find out, he has some friends who go here. And so I'm up here teaching, and I look out, and I see this guy. And I'm like, he, he looks kind of familiar, but I'm not sure you know, where, I, where I've met him or something. And so then we were talking in the lobby afterwards. And you know, he didn't have his Apple shirt on. So, but I connected the dots. And he's like, man, this is the first time in my life that following Jesus makes sense. He's like, I'm, I've got, I had chills the entire time because for the first time it made sense. That's the Holy Spirit. Like, none of us are that good at explaining this whole thing. Okay, that's God filling someone with faith. Our home church leaders, over and over again, I'm hearing about how they're filled with people who are new to faith, who are new to following Jesus. So, guys, we got to get ready. This is a moment for our community. Billy Graham said, some people spend their lives building ultimate dream homes so they can enjoy their twilight years. Some find themselves exchanging their bank accounts for residence with the gates of a retirement home. Others spend their last days in nursing homes. And for those of you who do not know him, choosing your eternal home is the most important decision you will ever make. For the Christian, the last mile of the way is a testimony to God's faithfulness. For he said, I go to prepare a place for you. God's getting ready in heaven. Will we get ready on earth? Would you pray with me? God, I pray for all of us here today. This room is just filled with people who have incredible purpose to, purposes to be lived out. That we're going we're gonna to help and impact so many people that the vision in this church and in this community is so big. Nobody's going to leave here because the vision's too small. God, we know that you want to use us. You, you've, you've given us an opportunity here with people that you've entrusted to us that have incredible influence, that have staggering influence. But it's not for us. It's for the, 90, it's for the one. So God, I just pray that this week that you would give us spiritual eyes to see, to see the ones that you're calling us to, that we'd be willing to maybe break our routine or step out of our comfort zone or be a little less comfortable for the sake of someone else. As we 
move back into a time of worship, we're going to sing a song that reflects the message of this so well. I just want to invite you to stand with me. But I also want to encourage you to pray and be mindful. If there's someone in your life or someone this week that God wants you to extend an invitation to on his behalf. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's our hope that you will let this message go deep within your soul and allow Jesus to do the work that only he can do. We also want to encourage you to partner with us here at Brave. Go to brave.church and become a regular giver and be part of how God is using this message to help people find and follow Jesus.